which incorporates everything from sandy beaches to high cliffs and caves. To the north lie the Galloway Hills, a beautiful, near-empty wilderness through which winds the southern upland way. The town is dominated by the county buildings, an imposing Hotel de Ville-style town hall, which was once the municipal headquarters of what is known locally as the Shire. The economy of Wigtown was for many years sustained by a cooperative society creamery and Scotland's most southerly whisky distillery, Bladnoch, which between them accounted for a large number of the working population. Back then, agriculture provided far more opportunities for the farm worker than it does today, so there was employment in and about the town. The creamery closed in 1989 with the loss of 143 jobs. The distillery, founded in 1817, closed in 1993. The impact on the town was transformative. Where there had been an ironmonger, a greengrocer, a gift shop, a shoe shop, a sweet shop and a hotel, instead there were now closed doors and boarded up windows. Now, though, a degree of prosperity has returned, and with it a sense of optimism. The vacant buildings of the creamery have slowly been taken over by small businesses, a blacksmith, a recording studio and a stove-maker now occupy much of it. The distillery reopened for production on a small scale in 2000 under the enthusiastic custody of Raymond Armstrong, a businessman from Northern Ireland. Wigtown, too, has seen a favourable change in its fortunes and is now home to a community of bookshops and booksellers. The once boarded-up windows and doors are open again and behind them small businesses thrive. Everyone who has worked in the shop has commented that customer interactions throw out more than enough material to write a book. Jen Campbell's Weird Things Customers Say in Bookshops is evidence enough of this. So, afflicted with a dreadful memory, I began to write things down as they happened in the shop as an aid memoir to help me possibly write something in the future. If the start date seems arbitrary, that's because it is. It just happened to occur to me to begin doing this on the 5th of February and the aid memoir became a diary. Wednesday the 5th of February Online orders, 5. Books found, 5. Telephone call at 9.25am from a man in the south of England who was considering buying a bookshop in Scotland. He was curious to know how to value the stock of a bookshop with 20,000 books. Avoiding the obvious answer of, Are you insane?, I asked him what the current owner had suggested. She had told him that the average price of a book in her shop was £6, and that she suggested dividing that total of £120,000 by three. I told him that he should divide it by ten at the very least, and probably by thirty. Shifting bulk quantities these days is near impossible, as so few people are prepared to take on large numbers of books, and the few that do pay an absolute pittance. Bookshops are now scarce, and stock is plentiful. It is a buyer's market. Even when things were good back in 2001, the year I bought the shop, the previous owner valued the stock of 100,000 books at £30,000. Perhaps I ought to have advised the man on the telephone to read, along with Orwell's bookshop memories, William Y. Darling's extraordinary The Bankrupt Bookseller Speaks Again before he committed to buying the shop. Both are works that aspirant booksellers would be well advised to read. Darling was not, in fact, the bankrupt bookseller, but an Edinburgh draper who perpetrated the utterly convincing hoax that such a person did indeed exist. 
The detail is uncannily precise. Darling's fictitious bookseller, untidy, unhealthy, to the casual and uninteresting human figure, but still when roused one who can mouth things about books as eloquently as any, is as accurate a portrait of a second-hand bookseller as any. Nicky was working in the shop today. The business can no longer afford to support any full-time staff, particularly in the long, cold winters, and I am reliant on Nicky, who is as capable as she is eccentric, to cover the shop two days a week so that I can go out buying or do other work. She is in her late forties and has two grown-up sons. She lives in a croft overlooking Loose Bay, about fifteen miles from Wigtown, and is one of Jehovah's Witnesses, and that, along with her hobby of making strangely useless craft objects, defines her. She makes many of her own clothes and is as frugal as a miser, although extremely generous with what little she has.